Good afternoon and welcome to Grace Community Church. We are so glad that you were able to join us this afternoon. Merry Christmas. We are going to have a time of singing and scripture reading and prayer, and uh, then we'll have a short, because it's me speaking, sermon, and uh, we will send you out. We do have some cookies and cocoa and coffee. I encourage you to stick around afterward and just spend some time in fellowship. But if you would, stand up, and we will sing and worship together. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The people who walked in darkness have seen great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them a light is shown. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God.
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around him, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.
angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them.
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For he saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem, the Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Oh, yeah. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing, anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen this glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Today, we celebrate the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Pray with me. Incarnate God, with the angels we sing and glorify your name. Thankful for all that you have given us. Today we are especially grateful for the gift of your son, who gave up his heavenly home for a manger and a cross, so that we might experience redemption, a gift that never spoils or fades. As the angels declared to the shepherds, we desire peace on earth, a peace that is broader and deeper than a ceasing of conflict. We pray for the restoration of this world, for the growth of your kingdom, for reconciliation, healing, and renewal. Make your presence known in each situation in our lives. And may we as your servants be vessels of your peace. We pray this in the name of the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Last year, we were not able to do this, and this year we are, and we are grateful, thankful uh, that you are all here today. We are, of course, talking about Christmas. It is the Christmas Eve service. How could we not talk about Christmas? How can we not talk about the meaning of Christmas? You all came to church on Christmas Eve, so I'm guessing that you know that the meaning of Christmas has something to do with Jesus, right? We put a picture up here of Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and of course, the meaning of Christmas is Jesus, we're good, can we get to the cookies already? There's some confusion, though, right, about what the meaning of Christmas is. And it doesn't come from the name. The name just means Christ's Mass. The word Christmas is a holdover from when the whole church and the whole world was the Catholic Church, right? Before the Protestant Reformation, um, before uh, many ages passed when there was only the Catholic Church, they would describe Christmas this day, this celebration, as Christ's Mass, Christ's service, his holy day, the day set apart to remember Jesus um, specifically his birth. But a lot has happened since Jesus walked the earth, since he was born. Quick history lesson. Where do our ideas about Christmas come from? Well, we know that around 300 people started celebrating the birth of Jesus. Now, they might have done it before, but we don't have written records before that of people celebrating Jesus' birth. They did celebrate his death and his resurrection before that. We know that. But around the mid-300s, people started celebrating his birth specifically. They thought, hey, this is something that we ought to recognize. But that may have been the last time 
that people just celebrated Christ's birth. Because for the next thousand years, um, people mixed and matched all kinds of ideas. See, here's the thing. All the way back in 300, they were celebrating Jesus' birth in December, December 25th. That, that date goes a long way back. But since that time, lots of different traditions, lots of different ideas have come from uh, Christian sources, Jewish sources, pagan sources, things like trees and Sinterklaas, this guy, St. Nicholas, who was an actual living person, right? Uh, hundreds of years of stories have been told about him, although there's very little written about him. And so for a thousand years, these stories circulate, these traditions develop. Many of them you practice in your home. Some of them we're practicing right here. We've got trees on stage. And then in uh, 1843, in the 19th century, this guy named Charles Dickens, he writes this story called A Christmas Carol. Many of you are familiar with it. How, how frequently does Jesus show up in A Christmas Carol? Doesn't. He wasn't there that day. And then in 1942, this guy, Irving Berlin, he writes this song, White Christmas. It comes out as a part of the film Holiday Inn. And I know you're thinking, oh, wait, there's a movie, White Christmas. That came later. It was so good. The song was so popular. They said, we should have its own movie. This, this song should have its own movie. In fact, for, for many years, may still be, it was the most popular single of all time, right? More people paid for the, the privilege of listening to White Christmas than any other song, any other popular song that's ever been created. How often does Jesus show up in White Christmas? He doesn't. And then, uh, not just in the 1950s, but certainly from the 50s on, there have been dozens of Christmas films, right? And many of them feature things like family, but they also feature things like fights and fantasy and failure. And, and all of those things have become as much a part of how we think about Christmas now as the first thing, right? Uh, if I were to ask you... Um, Tell me about this movie. I've heard about this movie where this kid, he's spending a couple of days in his house and some people try to rob the house and he comes up with all these crazy inventions to keep them from robbing the house. Is that a Christmas movie? You'd say, yes, that's a Christmas movie. Right? Because it is. And it's just gone downhill from there, right? That was kind of the high point. And I know what you're thinking. Right now, this is what you're thinking. <laughs> that guy doesn't like Christmas. I do like Christmas. I love Christmas. And I love Jesus. And I also love all of the things that we do at Christmas that have nothing to do with Jesus. Because there's two things going on here. right? Even the Grinch knew this. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Right? So what is the meaning of Christmas? It's right here in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Just one verse. It's an important verse. This is why we celebrate Christmas. But to understand the true meaning of Christmas, we have to answer the questions that this verse raises. And these are those. Who is Christmas actually for? That's important. That affects all of us if we answer it the right way. Why, or I'm sorry, what do we need to celebrate Christmas? Because it's not what we think. And then finally, how will those needs be met? I'm just going to pray real quick, and we're going to answer those questions. God, I praise you and thank you for coming to earth. I thank you for coming as a child and then living your life on this planet so that we can see what it looks like to live a right life, uh, to live a life in step with the Father. Lord, give us wisdom to see how to apply that knowledge, how to take your example and to take your Holy Spirit's power, which you offer freely to those who ask. I ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
So if we want our Christmas celebrations to be about Christmas, let's answer these questions. Who's Christmas for? Let's go back to Luke 2, verse 10. So this is just the previous verse. The angel says to them, that's the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Right? All the people. So that definitely includes you. And I know in the next verse it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. So yes, of course, the angel is talking to the shepherds specifically. But just one verse previous, right? Just one sentence before that, the angel said, but this is for everyone. So yes, Jesus was born to them that day. They got to witness that. They got to be there. They got to go and see him wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. But Christmas is for everyone. And why is that important? Because we like to think it's actually for us, just us, right? And we think this is just kids, but it's not just kids. Kids in here, right? I'm letting you off the hook. Right? Your parents and your grandparents are all going to say things behind your back when you're not listening. Right? They're going to say, oh, they're so, they're so selfish. They just want these presents. Right? But we just want peace. Right? We just want them to go and play with their presents so we can have five minutes of quiet this holiday. We think Christmas is for us, but it's for everyone, and there's a big difference there. The big difference is this. It is for sharing. It is not just for us to have and to hold, but to give away. We need to know that in order to celebrate Christmas, we have to understand that Jesus came as a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What are we giving away? When we give something away at Christmas, we're giving away hope. Jesus came as a Savior. What did he come to save us from? Well, death. Genesis, you guys are all familiar with this passage. If you're not, let me make you familiar. God says to Adam and Eve, first two people, he says, don't eat of this tree. But they do it. And he says, the consequence is death. And they say, we're going to do it anyway. In Psalm 14, God looks on all of humanity and he says, who's righteous? But he can't find anybody. He says, all have sinned and the punishment for sin is death. And then Paul in Romans, he reiterates this. He says this again. He says, uh, the wages of sin is death. Everybody has sinned and they all deserve death. And you might say, well, I don't really believe in sin. I think people are basically good. I think you're basically living in a different world then. I don't, I don't experience this. People are good in that they do good things where you experience that goodness. But I want to challenge you, if, if we haven't sinned, if there's no such thing as sin, then why is there still death? Why is there still pain? and evil? Where does that come from? Scripture gives us this answer. It says, it comes from you. You made that choice. But also, also, I've sent my son to save you. So if we're going to celebrate Christmas, let's celebrate the fact that we have a savior. Let's recognize our need for salvation and let's share that. Give, good, give all kinds of good gifts. Make feasts. Uh, invite people into your homes. Those are excellent things. Do those things. But also recognize that we need salvation. Because if we don't recognize that we need salvation, then we're ignoring what's going on in the world, what people actually need, what they're actually suffering from. Our needs are going to be met this way. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord, not to us, not to anything we do, not to anything we buy, not to anything that we might get for ourselves. 
but it belongs to him. I'm going to read to you Psalm 62 because this is David grappling with what it means to have a savior, somebody he can turn to, somebody who can save him from the world that he finds himself in. Psalm 62 says this, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him and like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they're together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, and our riches in this country have increased, but if riches increase, the scripture says, don't set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render a man according to his work. David knows this. He knows that God will judge us according to what we've done, and he knows that he will be found wanting if he doesn't have a savior. And so we must remember that our needs are met through God. And you might think, well, that's great. That's salvation. I need salvation. I'll I'll sign up for salvation. But what about the fact that I need to eat? And what about the fact that I want to have a roof over my head and I need to work and I need to do those things? It's almost like Jesus thought, hey, I bet they'll ask that question. Because he says this to his disciples. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Do you want to know more about salvation? Ask. Ask us here at Grace Community Church. Do you want to know more about how God will provide for your actual physical needs? He taught his disciples to pray and ask that their physical daily needs would be met. Ask us. We'll talk to you about it. Because God is a good giver of gifts. He says, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil... Right? God knows our hearts. He knows what our inclination is. He knows that when we're looking at our children and our grandchildren at Christmas time, we think, do they deserve these gifts? Probably not. Right? That we still give them good gifts anyway because we love them. That He does even better than that. He says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And this isn't the only place He says this. In James 1.17, um, James articulates this about Christ. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the heavenly Father, Christ included, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And then in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews reminds us that what God wants for us is always going to be better than what we want for ourselves. So even though we might be asking, even though we might be thinking, God, I am doing these things, we're probably not thinking what God wants us to think because this is what he wants for us. Let us be thankful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God wants us to have, to inherit his kingdom, to be co-heirs with him. That's the way the Bible describes it. Not that we would just show up and get a free pass, but to be co-heirs, to reign alongside of him, to be a part of this thing that he has planned. So it says, let us offer to God, therefore, acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. 
This is how our needs are met at Christmas. Not just our physical needs, not just our spiritual needs, but all of our needs, all together. We want to celebrate Christmas. Here's what we should think about. Uh, This is what is going to keep us from understanding the meaning of Christmas, and here's what we should think about instead. So Christmas is for everyone. It's for you, but it's not about you. Today, if you go out from this place, if you're having conversations with your loved ones, ask yourself, what am I celebrating? Am I celebrating something that's for me, the gift that I've received, uh, the, the love that I've been given, the thing that I inherited? Am I celebrating that? Or am I celebrating that there is a giver of good gifts who wants everybody to come into his family? And then if it's not uh, about you, uh, recognize that you, in fact, need a salva- uh, savior and that salvation is from Christ and that seasonal happiness is not the same as eternal salvation. Don't confuse the two because all of that stuff that I mentioned at the beginning, right, all of the Christmas movies and music and all of that, ultimately it's just about happiness. It's about seasonal happiness. It's about feeling good right now this time of the year. And there are lots of reasons why that's a lovely thing and then there are lots of reasons why that's a terrible false hope. Because many of you know, many of you have come from families uh, or maybe don't have families that celebrate Christmas well, right? Many of you have been in the sort of position where uh, you don't want Christmas to come because it means spending time with people you don't get along with and it means going places you don't want to go or it means a reminder that you don't have the things that people around you have. But God never intended for the celebration of him and his birth to be about seasonal happiness. He meant it to be about salvation, about the restoration of your soul, about him coming to this earth and showing us what it means to live in a right relationship with God. That's what his intent was. So don't make it about seasonable happiness. Make it about salvation, which is what he made it about, and trust that he will give you the things that you need. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Remember that the baby born in the stable is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm going to read this passage from Revelation a minute, but the baby who comes... He's just an infant, right? And we look at that baby and we think, that's amazing that God would come that way. But that's not the end of the story. He comes to be our savior. And he comes to live among us and to suffer as we suffer. And he says, you can be with me eternally if you just repent of your sin and accept that I am the savior, that I've done this for you, that I can give you this salvation. So if you want to celebrate this Christmas... Trust that he is who he says he is and that he does what he says he does. Here's what the scripture says about Jesus as the Lamb of God. I'm going to read to you from Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. Uh, John is speaking, John the Apostle. He says, after, I, uh, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and might be to God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither shall thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne 
will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's the savior that came as a baby, that lived as a man, that died and rose again. If we focus on that, we can celebrate Christmas. We can do it the right way, the way that God intends us to celebrate him. So I want to encourage you as you go out from this place to celebrate the Savior. I want to encourage you um, to remember that it is for you, but not about you. And so remind all of the people that you interact with today and this week and all the time that Christ is the real meaning of Christmas. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean, I don't mean, say things like, you better put the Christ back in Christmas. Because that's not enough. Right? We can say that all day long, and if people are living as though Christ is not in Christmas, they're not going to put him back. Right? If they're living as though Christmas means Rudolph and Frosty and Santa, right? and that's it, they're not going to put the Christ back in Christmas. They, they've associated that word with something else entirely. So getting people to say Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays, you can do that if you want to, but the Bible says that we will be known as Christians by our love for one another. So remind each other that Christ is the real meaning of Christmas that way. Love as he loved. And similarly, seasonal happiness is not the same as eternal salvation. So glory in the Savior and not in the sinful world. There are going to be many reasons to glory in this world tonight, tomorrow, right? Good gifts that you have given to each other, good food that you will eat with each other. Uh, Many of you will have good memories made in the next day or so. So there'll be many reasons to glory in the world, but this world is passing away. So don't glory in the world. Glory in the one who gave you these gifts. Glory in the one who gave you salvation. Remember that we are sinners saved by grace. Christ dies for us while we are still sinners, right? And he offers this free gift to us without us having to do anything. He just says, turn around, repent, and follow me. That's all you have to do. So glory in that Savior. You have salvation. Finally, Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, so praise him with your whole heart and teach others to do the same. Jesus says this to his disciples when he is leaving them, right? He says, I'm leaving you. Go into all, uh, all the world, all nations, and proclaim the gospel. Tell them about me. Tell them that I came and that I died. Tell them that you have salvation through me, and then teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And again, don't teach people to say Merry Christmas, Right? Teach them to love as Christ loved and do that with your life in word and deed. This is what a disciple is, right? A disciple is somebody who follows after Jesus, makes their life look like his. So do that with your life. Um, Today, as you exit this place, I encourage you to remember that uh, you have a savior. If you remember nothing else from what I've said today other than that I'm a Grinch, right? Remember that you have a savior in Jesus. And the baby Jesus is a miracle, right? That God would be incarnated as a human, that's a miracle. But he came as a baby to grow up to be a man and die and to rise again. So don't get too focused on the baby Jesus. That's only the beginning, right? And we haven't even seen the end. If you want to see the beginning of the end, read this book. Let's pray. Holy God, we praise you for coming to save us. Lord, you are our salvation. You provide our salvation. We can't do 
any of it, but you've done all of it and you've offered it to us for free. And so we praise you and we thank you. We thank you that you came as a child and lived a life like us because we are so easily confused by what we ought to do and you have shown us. You've done it yourself. And you've done it by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, which we have free access to. You long for us to be in communion with you in the way that you are communing with your Father. And so we pray that we would. You said, ask, seek, and you'll find. So we are asking you, Lord. We are seeking after you. Show us how to have the relationship with your Father that you have. Indwell us, Holy Spirit, and make this possible. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. I'm going to tell you to go in grace and also to do the will of the Father. Merry Christmas.